This episode features the other founding father of the Assembly of Silence, Judah Vitel, has returned. We're going to talk about global dysbiosis. And uh, we unfortunately recorded about a half hour of an episode that <laughs> didn't get recorded. So we, uh, we thought we were recording for about a half hour, and then we discovered that we weren't. So that's, uh, you're, you're going to basically begin where we discover that sad fact. But it all kind of worked out in the end. So uh, I hope you enjoy this. I think it's a really interesting set of ideas that we explore. It's something that Judah's been working on for a while. And it's a really great model, kind of a lens through which we can view the, the crisis happening in the world where it kind of ties the, the personal and the global together in an interesting way. And, and you get to see the continuity between the health of the planet and the health of the individual. Okay, that's what we qualify as an introduction. And uh, here we go. Check it out. Fuck me. Ah, oh. fucking shit! I thought that when you said it was okay, it would just start recording, but it didn't. You had to push something. Yep. Okay. Well, that's fine. Well, that's good. <laughs> shit. Uh, well, it's good, it's sudden, good we didn't get the Dubai on on. I because, guess. Uh, <laughs> really? Why? What's wrong with the Dubai? Well, 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 you just mentioned it now. Now it's back. <laughs> you really didn't want to talk about Dubai? Here it is, back in the conversation. Oh, son of a bitch. <laughs> oh, that's brutal. That mm. happened once before, right? Well, I'm sure it did. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. We went through a whole a whole episode, and it was rocking, and we got to the end of it, and we're like, okay. Did you record? No, no. I didn't record. No, did I didn't record. record. No, I didn't. Uh, that's what I get for updating the software right before getting on. Oh, that's right. It's all good. Well, let's start. Let's start over. Let's do take two. Yeah, take two. Where are we? What are we talking about? So, so we yeah. are talking about global dysbiosis. Okay. Yes, and I did listen to the to the show that uh, you did with. Um, remind me his name. Reggie. Reggie Drent. Reggie Gentry. Yep. And what's the name of the podcast? We may as well give him a plug here. Is it's awesome. Whole healthy you. It is the whole healthy you podcast. Reggie's a rad dude. He's awesome. Uh, he's a, he's a really fantastic, uh, functional di diagnostic nutritionist and health coach and uh, personal trainer. He's, it, he's doing some great work in Atlanta, Georgia, uh, is where he's located. And we did, we did a little podcast on, on the gut microbiome. And one things that I, I, I kind of threw in there and I actually presented this concept at a, um, at a uh, conference in uh, February to a group of functional medical practitioners. And the concept is that we as a planet are suffering from something called global dysbiosis. And in the functional medicine realm and in the health realm, there's something called gut dysbiosis. And so gut dysbiosis uh, is something that speaks to an unhealthy gut microbiome. So our gut microbiome is a collection of bacteria that exists in our our gut, and we have and we have microbiomes all over us. Okay, there's just like the Earth has different uh, uh, um, 
ecological makeup all around it. So I'm in Colorado. So we have a different ecology than what you have in Oregon, which is different from, you know, where I just was, I was just in Tucson, Arizona, just got back yesterday, totally different from there. Right. So the, the, the earth has a variety of different ecosystems, depending on where you are. Well, so do we. So do we. We have an ocular microbiome. We have a skin microbiome. We have an oral microbiome. We have an esophageal microbiome, a stomach microbiome, small intestine microbiome, large intestine microbiome, a yeah, it's really, it's, it's interesting to think about the extent to which that microbiome is impacted on wherever you happen to be living. Exactly. It, it is... Well, one of the things we talked about uh, before hitting the record button <laughs> was uh, this idea that there's a separation between mankind and nature, you know, and that it, a ref- one of the reflections of that is the urban environment. And, right. and so, you know, the, the fact that so many people now are essentially living in the microbiome of an urban environment that that, you know, impregnates their uh, body's uh, microbiome intestinally and, and in all the, uh, these other kind of terrains that you're talking about. Uh, that's something I think, you know, in a way, one of the ideas that highlights, or one of the facts that highlights the idea that we still do have that idea of separation of, of humankind from nature is that rarely do we consider what the impact on our microbiome is going to be when we move from one location to another. That's right. I mean, there's they're they're trying uh, their best to map um, kind of like the 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 whole human uh, uh, microbial genome, right? So we know that depending on what country you live in, your microbiome is going to be different. Um, so it's it's really fascinating, uh, and this microbiome forms uh, from the time we're born onward. So one of the things I I like to say is. We're born 90% human. We die 90% microbial. Mm. And so when we're in the womb, it's a very sterile environment. And our first experience of the external world is coming through the birth canal, where you that is our first inoculation with bacteria from the outer world. Um uh and and then from time that that point on, the outer world presses in upon us. And depending on what we're exposed to, putting our hands in soil and the dirt, whatever, or a hyper-sterile environment, which is not good. Uh, The foods that we consume, whether you're nursed or bottle fed, all that affects the development of our microbiomes and uh, um, informs us. And the gut microbiome specifically is our, our interface with the external world. We're really just walking ecosystems. We're just a reflection of the earth. That's all we are. We are just reflections of the planet. So you could think perhaps uh, of the aging process as being the process whereby it's, it's sort of measured by the extent to which your cellular makeup is of your own genetic material versus that of other organisms. Yeah, and other organisms actually help us age better or uh or accelerate rapid aging right and this is that and that's a term called immunosenescence so immunosenescence is the is an aging way of saying aging immune system right so so would would it be fair to say that um that the uh the organisms which support life are going to 
hold off the invasion of the pathogenic species. So, so in 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 that kind of process of let's say going from uh, from birth, where you have very few uh, pathogenic species in the biota, you then end up at the end of your life being something like ninety percent inhabited. Is inhabited yeah. right? I mean, yeah. basically, that's what it yeah. is, right? Absolutely. So, yep. You know, and, and over the course of life, it's kind of inevitable you're going to become more hospitable as your as your chi diminishes, right? And as the jing is spent uh, to the invasion of these other uh, species, which is like the natural process. I mean, part of what I'm sort of driving at is that a part of this is actually uh, a completely natural process that shouldn't be seen of as being uh unnatural right i mean right that's part 100%. of that whole yeah right and so maybe what i should and i should clarify the statement of born 90 percent human die 90 percent microbial it, just because it speaks to this and that is that you know as humans we have twenty three thousand human genes that's a, roughly about what we have we have roughly twenty three thousand human genes that are responsible for cellular you know like everything that we that we are right well by the time you know, we die, or, or let me just say this, by the time our microbiome is established as adults, fully established, we will have anywhere from 3 million to upwards of 9 million different microbial genes in and on us. So you can actually look at this as that. I mean, you know, that's 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 a that's a huge difference. <laughs> Twenty three thousand human genes versus three to nine million microbial genes, and that could be viruses, bacteria, fungi, stuff like that. Hmm. And so that's the, you know, so we're so by the time we're we're fully formed and we're we're adults, our microbiome uh, is established. And it is involved with every single major physiological function we have. There isn't a physiological function that is not influenced by the, the total uh, uh, microbiome. Okay, and and it is what allows us to interface with the outer world in a healthy way, uh, if it's optimized. Right. Right. And so one of the things I was saying earlier before when we weren't recording is that um, uh, we, you know, the, the gut microbiome. We could, we could just refer to that as take one. So yeah. We'll like, take, yeah, yeah. take one. Okay. <laughs> During take one, which was great, by the way. <laughs> oh, you guys should have heard it. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you really missed it. <laughs> but, so, yeah. So, so, so I guess maybe come back and I'll say, you know, we talked, we said global dysbiosis, right? So what is dysbiosis? Dysbiosis is usually something that's referred to uh, in the gut. We call it gut dysbiosis. And gut dysbiosis is characterized by low bacterial species diversity. So low diversity, uh, uh, which uh, a lack of um, healthy beneficial bacteria excessive amounts of pathogenic pro-inflammatory bacteria. And what happens is when you have that, that the composition of the gut microbiome lacking diversity and in a pro-inflammatory state, what that leads to is the breakdown of the protective barrier 
the intestinal lining, which is the barrier that prevents things from getting into the inner sanctum of the blood that should not be in the blood, right? So the intestinal tract is just the outer world running through the inner world. It's open-ended, mouth to anus, and it's completely walled off. And, and the gut microbiome's role is in a healthy gut microbiome, its role is to educate the immune system to be tolerant, to to have a tolerogenic profile so that it's not hyperstimulated, that it doesn't react to every little thing. It's, it, it, it should act with wisdom. And wisdom is experience, knowledge, and good judgment, right? So, so familiarity with all of the various things that might be out there. And, uh, and that's what gives it the confidence to not be hyperreactive. Because yep. it has kind of uh, a long track record and it's comfortable with the various discomforts that might be uh, it might be beset with, right? Right. What it can, what it'll experience, right? And so, a healthy microbiome is characterized by uh, species diversity, uh, uh, the presence of keystone species. Uh, so bacteria like Acromantia mucinophila is a keystone species. So when that's present in the gut microbiome at good levels, we know that there's diversity uh, and that diversity as in any e ecosystem, any ecosystem, the hallmark of a healthy ecosystem is diversity. And so, you know, um, so when you have healthy diversity and you have keystone species, what this produces is a low inflammatory state in the gut. This supports the tight the production of tight junction proteins, which are responsible for maintaining the integrity of the intestinal lining, making sure that the epithelial cells are are tight and they're not letting they're not leaky. They're not letting things in that shouldn't get in. Um, and and it's also what this does is this. Uh, reduces the stress on the immune system. And it also is responsible for the production of various vitamins, as well as neurotransmitters like serotonin and GABA and dopamine, all of which are involved with how we think, feel, and act in the world. They're direct communication molecules to the brain from the gut. So, so dysbiosis being that it lacks species diversity, that it's pro-inflammatory, and it leads to the breakdown of the intestinal lining, which allows bacterial fragments called lipopolysaccharides or LPS to leak into the bloodstream and cause this pro-inflammatory state, cause the immune system to become hyper-reactive um, and, and break us down, basically. So you're... you're, you're so there's, there's a number of interesting things in there because we're we're going to take this and and start to think of it uh, how this applies on a more global level. Global dysbiosis now is kind of taking this uh, the individual health and seeing that well actually this is a reflection of a global state right exactly and the importance of uh, biodiversity on the planet is something that's well recognized by a lot of environmentalists um, and uh, biologists. Yep. And the keystone species. I mean, one of the things that's kind of interesting is that there's a, a certain degree of, of uh, th there's an interesting 
not really contradiction, but just the fact that you do have this one species that is particularly important, but within the context of there being a great diversity of, of species, right? Right. It's like right. the one species that's kind of holding it all together. Well, that's what you know? a keystone species is. A keystone yeah. species is technically defined as a species that holds an ecosystem together. Right. Okay. That and that and and if that and if that species is removed from the ecosystem, the ecosystem collapses. All right. So one of so, the things that's kind of interesting is like, is it the case that the healthy ecosystem is something which is uh, kind of fragile, easily damaged, right? Like, like, is it is that kind of the reality that we're dealing with? That the healthy state is something that is. Uh, rare and precious and it's way easier for things to kind of tip over into a state of dysbiosis and what is the thing that that is the determining factor as to which direction things end up going well yes yeah, so what i would say from my experience is that yes a a, a gut microbiome a healthy gut microbiome is incredibly uh delicate uh, well, it's not delicate. Let me, let me, but it it's so easy to negatively impact the gut microbiome, right? That's what I want to say. Now, is it uh, easy help- just simply because of the of the global dysbiosis? It's easy because we are surrounded by things which you know, like you were saying. Now, there's like how many thousands of chemicals out there? Right. I mean, this the the kind of toxic environment. We're basically living in a toxic environment. Exactly. Right? That's essentially what we're confronted with, and that's why we're struggling with these problems. Right. It's easy to say, well, okay, everyone, just eat healthy, you know, like stop exposing yourself to this stuff, but it's freaking everywhere. We're surrounded by it. And even like the organic food, like how much of that stuff has all this other crap filter. I mean, I remember in the nineties or whenever it was where the organic standards got like taken over by the FDA. Sure. And it's like, so now organic food, <laughs> really? well, like, I mean, well, it's got a label on it. <laughs> natural doesn't mean anything anymore, right? Natural. Natural doesn't have any any real meaning to it anymore. And if you look at our food system, let's just say, let's just look at the fact that our animals do more drugs than we do. You know, most any the the largest consumer of antibiotics is our is our animals, is uh, you know our chickens and our cows and stuff. And like now that. they're so starting to give them uh, mRNA stuff, right? So we're getting we're getting drip antibiotics. We're we're getting chemicals in our water. People, you know, you are what you eat. Yeah, a hundred percent. And and you you know, the standard American diet, the sad SAD standard American diet, very sad diet, is loaded with refined processed foods, which which feed pathogenic bacteria. Right. So it's like that. They love that. Right. And so this gets us back to this question, like. You know, is this a natural process that just happens as a result of evolutionary pressures, uh, regardless of, you know, no matter what you do, eventually the body dies, right? No matter what right. you do, eventually an ecosystem kind of, ro- it's like the, the pond we, thing, you know, like yeah. it starts off all nice, right? And then things kind of like ferment and it turns into this stagnant thing, right? And right. then you got like more kind of vicious species that have taken over and you know, is that just sort of the natural pattern or are we in a situation where you know, like we were talking uh, in take one about uh, 
the this division of, of the body mind thing and how it kind of relates to the idea that mankind is separate from nature and that that idea which you know could be thought of as being one of the aspects of the west but i was also kind of saying well there's really two threads within the west that you have this undercurrent where there's still you might say a pagan but i think in christianity you also see this return to nature type of thing right where mm -hmm. there's a, an effort on the part of some uh, group of Westerners to maintain connection to the natural world. You could say Goethe was a, 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 an expression of that kind of thing. And that 100%. there was a, a technological yeah. kind of, you know, finance, like the, the, the elites of the world uh, suppress that kind of return to nature idea. And they are the ones who have essentially established this system that has produced all the toxins that we're now swimming in. Right. And right. so, you know, then exactly. you have, that's what kind of starts to you, you ask this question like, well, is this a natural process or is this something where there's, in essence, an illness that uh, is related to money? You could say, because a lot of the reasons why people do these things is because they're paid to do it. Right. These systems yeah. have been established and yeah. the byproducts, everyone is aware that these are, you know, really unfortunate outcomes that come as right. a result of it and yet you know everyone needs a job and so there's people filling the positions that continue to produce this you know, you know civilizational uh excrement you could say that we're now all swimming in right good way of putting it yeah so it, it you know and it's not necessarily the case that there's a contradiction that needs to be resolved here. It could be that there's a natural process whereby uh, you get elites of that nature. You know what I mean? I would say that because it happened, there's no way that it couldn't have been a natural process, right? Right. But is there a way to address, in the same way that we might address, uh, you know, uh, dysbiosis within the individual, can we diagnose this on a global level and and start to talk about ways that it might be uh, well, how do we rid ourselves of these toxic elites? I guess in a way, it's like, you know, kind of <laughs> that's what I want to know, Judah. Wow, you're going and, in a whole other direction. <laughs> well, you already covered it in the other podcast, right? So in a more explicit way, kind of like dealing with health. But because we're swimming in this stuff, it's like we do have to address this kind of global question. And I think that's that would be a good place for us to focus. Right. So here's what I would like to say. So, to, so if you take everything I just said about what what dysbiosis is, right? Reduced species diversity, uh, increased expression of inflammation, breakdown of protective barriers, okay? Can, can you look into the world and see that happening? Can you see- oh, yeah, right? Right? Can you yeah, see no. the, the, the loss of species that's happening at, at, a, at an unprecedented rate? Okay, so this, this goes right into this, this thorny issue that I've been uh, thinking about, which has to do with the idea of humanity as being a pathogen on the earth, right? Uh, which Ooh. is something, I know, right? It's ugly, but we have to address it, right? Because that's- that's here's let's say within the environmental context that's a pretty common way of viewing things right, right? It, it is and i would say it's skewed i would say that humanity is not a pathogen on the earth what i would say is that is that humanity got reprogrammed and has kind of gotten out of hand right, uh, right? so we lost our wisdom we lost our way we lost our 
our sense of connection to the planet because we saw ourselves uh, uh, separate from it. And we lost the, the belief that, that the earth is a living being. And, and in doing that, it's allowed a mental virus to take hold that says that we can do whatever we want to this planet because it's not a, it's not a living entity. And that's allowed us to do these things without having a guilty conscience. And so I don't think we're a pathogen. I think we just we, we lost our way and, and we got in, infected with the virus of greed. Well, I think I think maybe we just can't really speak of humanity as being one thing because there's just too many different. Yeah. Uh, let, let's say frames them. I think it really has to do with consciousness. Ultimately, it has to do with the consciousness, and much of it has to do with the uh, uh, this idea of separating from nature. This idea that we can create the world in our image, right? Right. Uh, so it's that kind of arrogance, that kind of hubristic effort to control. Right. We've deified ourselves. And and uh, stripped any meaning from the earth. Really, we're afraid of what of what life does to us. It's just a resource. That's all it is, right? Yeah, it's been turned into this inert a commodity. Yeah, to be chopped up and and you know diced and sliced however we want. Uh, yeah, you know. The, oh, so there's an interesting thing about uh, the malaria uh, bacteria, right? It's a bacteria, right? Uh, m- malaria you get from being bit by uh, mosquitoes. Right. It's right. a it's a bacteria, but it has uh, a number of different strains, right? So malaria actually, uh, uh, there's a strain which is completely benign. It doesn't do anything to you. It's totally fine. And then there's another strain which uh, will freaking kill you, right? Same same bacteria, right? So you, you could say, well, we have a sim- different strain. Yeah, different strain. And the characteristic, apparently, uh, one of the most obvious characteristics of the um, of the malignant uh, strain of malaria is that it's entirely smooth, where the uh, the one which uh, won't cause any trouble is sort of rough around the edges. You could say, and it, it strikes me as being kind of interesting that. Within the technocratic elite, there's this kind of like metal and glass aesthetic, you know, where everything is just smooth and kind of polished and like <laughs> there's no there's no rough edges to it. There's like nothing natural about it whatsoever. Like you would never see anything like a landscape of of the dream of the technocratic elite. The dream of the technocratic elite is that everything is completely clean and spotless and it's all human design. Right? right. It's all my way. It's all like, this is so, what we made. Right. Right. And there's the, there's the ultimate expression of that separation from nature. Right. And just to kind of go a little deeper on that. We know, uh, uh, we know that children who are raised in hyper sterile environments have higher rates of asthma and autoimmune conditions. And what's autoimmunity? Autoimmunity is where your immune system attacks its own, its own, t- your own tissue. Right. That's what I've got. So you 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 turn on yourself. I've got an autoimmune disease, right? Uh, cirrhotic arthritis, and I grew up in a household where my mom was a freaking neat freak, running around like. I remember one day I came I came to visit her, and she was like literally like wiping the floor behind where I walked because. <laughs> Because my shoes were making a little, sc- they weren't even like muddy, right? Right, right. They were just like 
shoes on the floor. Made a little mark. They made a little mark right. on the floor. You know, and she was like the Lysol spray and the whole deal, you know? Yeah. Like, and I've always had allergies. You know, I've always had kind of a fucked up immune system. I'm sure I've got dysbiosis up the wazoo, literally, because I'm sneezing all the time <laughs> during allergy season, right? I mean, it, it's been a nightmare, honestly. Like, I'm pretty freaking familiar with what dysbiosis is like, and mm-hmm. it sucks. It's like you're in a constant state of of agitation, right? You know, it's because it's you're, inflammation, right? And you're because yeah. your immune system wasn't properly educated. Yeah, right. It wasn't exposed. This is a lifetime of eating healthy. Like, if I had yeah. eaten this the standard American diet, oh, you'd be in. I'd probably be dead by now. <laughs> really man <laughs> it's quite i mean you never know but you know you know kids raised in on farms exposed to dirt dust horse manure cow manure you know all that kind of stuff that way lower rates of asthma way lower rates of autoimmune conditions right because because they were exposed once again we're walking ecosystems we have, you know, we're, we're born 90% human. We die 90% microbial. We have 23,000 human genes. Uh, and, and by the time we're adults and our microbiomes are established, we'll have three to 9 million microbial genes in and on us. The microbiome is like a flow, uh, the, specifically the gut microbiome, you could say, but even your, your, total, your total microbiome. It's like a floating endocrine organ that influences every major physiological function in the body. And if that deteriorates, then, uh, then health is impacted. And that's what we see on this planet today. We see species reduction. And I think this was in take one. You know, we've lost 75% of our, our, of our agrobiodiversity since the agricultural revolution. Our ancestors used to eat uh, an average of 100 different plants for food and medicine upwards, depending on the season uh, and location, upwards of 600 different plants for food and medicine to, you know, today people eat about the same 30 foods and that's diverse. That's diverse. And, and so, you know, yeah, standard American, it's like a healthy meal is, you know, potatoes, broccoli, and meat. And French fries that aren't, you know, that are, that aren't even potatoes that aren't even, <laughs> you know, there's kind and of ketchup, a metaphysical and ketchup's a fucking vegetable. Exactly. <laughs> that was, that was uh Ronald Reagan's great contribution to right. Uh, right. the health of the, of this nation, right. the food pyramid. Yeah. I will make ketchup a vegetable. Yeah. It's <laughs> made it to me. Yeah. So, okay, there's kind of an interesting metaphysical dimension to this, too, which is we're talking about this barrier between self and other, right? There's so, so the permeate, there's a membrane, right? And there's the self, and then there's this other is always essentially everything out there, right? And so the membrane, you know, we have to have a degree of permeability so that we're familiar with it. But if we let too much in and we let the wrong guys in, then we get overtaken. Right. But in a way, that's an inevitable process. So it's like uh, uh, we're, we're, we're doing this weird dance. You know, we're trying to like we need good bouncers at the door. That's basically right. what it is. Right. Yeah. We, yeah, yeah. We want we want to keep the assholes out, you know, and let the friendlies in. Right. Right. 
But, right. you know, it's like the assholes are assholes. They're going to get in one way or another. Your bouncer is not big enough to keep those assholes out. Right. But if you have enough of the good guys in in the bar and that one or two assholes get in, <laughs> then there's too many good guys for them to really cause too much trouble. Right. Well, But sometimes it's really hard to tell the difference between a good guy and a bad guy. So I had a friend, uh, Julio, who was from Argentina. Right. He told me the story that uh, he had this like gut of steel. He could eat anything. Right. And one day he went to the doctor and they did a test and they're like, hey, man, you have a parasite. And he's like, oh, wow. OK, I guess I better get rid of that. Right. So they gave him whatever it was. He did the anti-parasite routine. Parasites out of his body now. And his guts are all fucked up for the rest of his life. You know, so he had developed this. And who knows how long he had that thing. Right. He right. developed some kind of a symbiotic relationship with this bad right. guy in his gut, and they got along pretty good eventually. So I actually have a story about uh, something that happened to me when I was in Brazil. We went to uh, Chapata de Manchina, which is this area where you have, you're basically like just hiking, right? You're way out in the middle of nowhere. And I ate some funky shit one night, and the next day, like... Uh, my wife and our tour guide were like, what is that smell? You know? And I'm like, I can't smell anything. I don't know. Apparently like I was giving off this crazy odor. I got sick, really, really sick. And we were in the middle of nowhere. There was no, so I'm like sweating in this bed and I feel like I'm dying. Right. And I remembered my friend Julio and I thought, okay, there's this freaking thing inside of me and I have to communicate with it so it doesn't kill me. So I'm like, okay, look, if you're going to live inside me, then you're worst, the worst thing you could do would be to kill me. Let's figure out a way to get along here, right? That was the way, way I kind of made it through that night, you know? <laughs> I mean, I never, I don't know if it's a parasite or whatever it was, but I'm sure whatever it is, it's probably part of my gut biome now, you know? Right. I right. made peace with it in one way or another. So it's like the bad guys work their way in every now and then and they're not necessarily the bad guys it's one of these weird things right it's right. a really there's there's a lot of complexity and there's a lot of like fine detail it's like everything is an individual case scenario and and it's awfully hard to say exactly what the outcome is going to be right right and and that's and that's a really good point you know it's um uh sometimes if if our system is strong enough, it can take these negative influences and assimilate it yeah, and, and make peace with it. And so, yeah, maybe you have a parasite, but is it, is it killing you? Is it doing, I mean, what's, is it impacting you in any way? Uh, it's hard to say. I mean, and, and, you know, yeah. And it's inevitable. It's inevitable. We're going to get exposed to things that is. In a way, this is the process of evolution, right? Yeah. So organisms get impacted upon by other organisms, by other like by, by by their circumstances, by their environment, by their surroundings, and this is how things proceed. Like there's a development that occurs on the basis. So I think a, a really a really poignant example of that is our mitochondria. The mitochondria of our cells are the power plants of our cells. They are what produce ATP, cellular energy, which helps our cells do all the things they need to do in, in a healthy way. Well, 800 million years ago, a billion years ago. Uh, this is uh, exactly what I was thinking too. Yeah, awesome. You know, mitochondria was an independent bacteria. Yeah. And it, it got gobbled up 
by a single cellular organism. Or it invaded it. Or it invaded it. Yeah. Exactly. That's it a good may, point. It may well have it been may, a pathogen. And it I'm may, sure right. it wasn't a comfortable transition. Right. No matter what, it was not a comfortable, whether it was eaten or it was an invader. Yeah. Lynn Margulis, you know, she she says that basically anaerobic bacteria, they were essentially one species. And because of the pressures of their effluence of the oxygen that they were releasing out into the atmosphere, eventually the ones who were most exposed to the oxygen became aggressive and started to burrow into the ones oh. who were sort of more closer, like further away from that irritation. Right. And and so, you know, there would be like an aggression, aggression happening within the species, in essence, that was the the uh, formation of the eukaryotic cell. Uh-huh. Right. And those ones who were more exposed on the uh, to the to the toxin, to the oxygen, which is what we're breathing now. They're the right. ones who penetrated. So they would be the ones who had the motivation to penetrate into the, you could say, endoplasm of their own right. kind. You Which it, what's fascinating is that mitochondria need oxygen to function properly. It's a process called oxidative phosphorylation. That's so. exactly it. They converted effluence into an energy resource. Right. And I think that's the big story of, of evolution. That's one of the themes that keeps coming back here in the Assembly of Silence, right? Uh, that That we're recapitulating evolutionary history over and over and again. And now we're kind of doing it uh, on a social level. You know, we're seeing that same basic process playing itself self out uh, socially. I think that that yeah. what's happening within the West is that the civilizations that were most uh, subject to the aggression of the West are now permeating into the West. They are the ones who suffered the most as a result of the technocratic elites, right? And they have uh, now found ways into the soft underbelly of the West, right? And and this is, you know, partially through the mechanism of globalism, where there was an effort to try to, like, play nice instead of just, you know, dropping bombs on people. But they kept dropping bombs on people anyway. And so eventually everyone was like, well, this globalism thing, it's like just by your rules, like how global is that? Are you really practicing a kind of tolerance of different cultures and allowing people to democratically assert their own rights? No, that's not what you're doing, right? And so that that uh, uh, that now is is we're seeing like major changes happening on the world stage where in essence, like the softness of the the West has been revealed. The, like the it's it's the corruption really is where the softness is right and that corruption now is giving let's say everyone else right uh a opening to find an alternative way of of living to to basically like get off the petrodollar and to uh, form relations where the west is no longer the one who are calling the shots and that's basically why there's this push towards a global war Right. They're basically pushing for World War Three. They're saying we're not going to allow this to happen, you know, even though now everyone knows that the entire project of the West is completely corrupt. And that the whole idea that, you know, everyone was going to be dancing Kumbaya and we were going to allow for self-determination, you know, that that thing has gone up in smoke, you know. Uh, which, you know, getting back to another thing that we t- discussed briefly, which I kind of want to touch on in every uh, episode of uh, the Assembly of Silence lately is, 
you know, if there is any chance of turning this turkey around and actually preventing World War III, I think that, uh, like, God has given us uh, an opportunity in the form of RFK Jr., honestly. Is, we, we, we have not seen a uh, honest, uh, well-informed, um, humble, uh, spiritual candidate for president in as far as I can, a very long, long time. And this man is appearing on the scene, speaking truth in ways that uh, were unimaginable a few weeks ago, you know, and uh, and he has a history where there's a kind of divine providence. You know, if there is anyone in the world who represents the potential to restore some kind of dignity to the Western project, and to atone for its sins, and to to find some redemption and restore our place in the world as a decent global citizen, that's the man to do it. Because they killed his father and they killed his uncle. Uh, you know, I'm going to say it was the the malignant uh, uh, form of the malaria virus, the smooth technocratic elites who want to pull this crazy freaking like. We are the the designers of the future. They are, they are the ones who killed his 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 family members, and he is back to re, to bring justice. And he's fearless, you know. Mm. And and my God, I sure hope that that the the fate of uh, of his father and uncle is not what awaits him. But it, you know, he doesn't care. He doesn't. It's not a concern of his. Right. What he's concerned about is setting things right. And he's someone who has the the intelligence and the connections. He knows the people necessary in order to get decent people back into power so we can, you know, cure the global dysbiosis by getting rid of the perverse, corrupt elites who are mm. destroying the fucking planet. Mm. So that's my mm. pitch. <laughs> no, get on board with RFK Jr. He is our last fucking chance to save this thing. Mm. Mm. That's powerful, dude. That's powerful. Yeah. And I know uh, I know you well enough uh, to know that uh, I've not heard you speak that passionately about a politician. <laughs> I hate before. politics. And I hate politicians, <laughs> but this man has my undying support. I I am fully convinced that he is the real deal, and I'm 100% behind. I didn't even know he threw his hat in the ring. I didn't. Oh even my know. god! Yeah, no, I, I don't. I, I'm so tuned out to to it all right now. I'm just. I'm, well, that's I'm, why I'm I'm here. I'm sending this message to anyone who has ears to hear it. Get on board with this man because he is really the man for our time. There is mm. no doubt about it. I'll send you some information about it. I've signed up for his campaign. I'm going to be uh, volunteering whatever way I can. I'm talking. I'm trying to get enough people around here interested to do a parade for freaking Fourth of July. You know, like I'm fully willing to go into the whole political arena if there's a good person to stand behind. You know, right, right. And, and I am convinced that this guy. You know, it's not that I agree with everything he says, but he is just a serious serious person who uh, ha has decided to take a stand at a pivotal moment in our history. And we do not have uh, the time to fuck this one up. We really no, our Our time is running out. Rapidly. Our time is running out. Yep. 
if it hasn't yeah. already. I don't know, even if everything goes well, if he could turn this thing around. Right. But if there's anyone who can, he is the man. Mm. Mm. Oh, uh, it's, 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 <laughs> where do we go? I hate bringing that? things to a political level, you know, but it keeps coming down to this. Like I've been doing a lot of episodes, you know, monologues lately, and it keeps coming down to political because fundamentally, you know, this is what we're swimming in. If we're swimming in a toxic soup, right. Yeah. Then, then, you know, in what every is way. The, yeah. What's we're, the best application of our spiritual gifts. Right. Right. Is to try to address the, the spiritual soup, the, the, the toxic soup that we're swimming in. You know, because, okay, on another level, right, the spiritual reality is like, yes, we will all go the way of the dodo. It's just a matter of time, and we can accept that, and we can be gracious about it, and all that is fine, right? And maybe our time has come as a species or as a civilization. It may be that, okay, we're done, and, you know, let's be Wouldn't be the it. first time. Wouldn't right. be the first time. Right, and it will right. come eventually, no matter what yeah. happens, right? But exactly. we may as well make the best effort we can to to uh to correct the wrongs right to set things right that's what we're here to do right it's well, not to right. fucking make money it's to try right. to set things right it's so, to heal it's, it's to, to heal. heal it's i mean that's really in my direct experience in the last know, you know six to eight plus years uh i i've shifted my 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 mindset around spirituality from seeking spiritual experiences to realizing that healing is the spiritual experience right that's the spiritual experience the and then healing. what what could be more spiritually healing for a nation for the son of a man right. who was murdered by agents of the state and his uncle who was the president of the united states gunned down in right. broad daylight basically taking the idealism of the united states and plunging it into darkness that yeah. is now flowered in this crazy freaking neoconservative neoliberal world order that's just a complete corrupt disaster what could be more healing than to have that man wow. find justice in this world right right, right. And, and steer things back on course so there's something just incredibly poetically right about the whole thing like I, I find it. In, I when I listen to him speak, it brings me to tears. It's poetic justice. It's poetic really. justice, right? Yeah, yeah. God is working His will, right? It, and, and as you and I always say, it's in God's hands. Absolutely, it, it's, it's it's all in God's hands. We have to do our part. We have to do our part. We have yep. to meet God halfway. But ultimately. It's in it's in God's. He, hands. You know, he he says something along those lines. He's what he says is like I don't think about outcomes, mm. right? Mm. Isn't that an amazing thing for for a politician to say? Like, I mean, that's yeah. a spiritually advanced point of view. Yeah, you know, right. But it's the process. It's the journey. Yeah, he does the work every day. He does his yeah. best every day. Yeah, right? and he's someone who's been fighting. Like, I mean, on a health level. You know, children's health defense, like that's his organization, right? Mm -hmm. He's been very critical of the pharma uh, mm -hmm. companies mm -hmm. for a wide range of different things. He's litigated against uh, corporations. He's been an environmental lawyer for like, what is it, 30, 40 years of his, of his professional life, taking these agencies into court, suing them, you know? So I mean, this is the guy who's freaking, he is perfectly positioned to clean up this dysbiosis. Mm. You know, 
so yeah, all the power to him. And, and I'm, I'm definitely feeling like that's, that's, that's a mission we all need to join right now. We need to get on board. And, you know, if there's any resemblance of democracy remaining in this land, let's utilize it and, and see if we can't make something happen here that we can be proud of instead of being ashamed of, of what our nation has been doing, which is really, you know, that's where it's been for my whole life. I've been ashamed of what this nation has been doing. Yeah. And I'm sick of that. I don't want to see that anymore. Right. Right. I mean, we, we, have squandered such an opportunity for making the world a better place. The, the level of influence that we have as a nation is unprecedented and we've squandered it. Absolutely. Because of greed. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, yeah, greed seems like it's a big part of it. Yeah, money is a big part of it because, of course, it's the military-industrial complex, Right. The uh, pharmaceutical complex, the they the need markets for their products. The medical insurance, farm pharmaceutical, uh, military industrial complex. I mean, let's just lump so it all together. All of right? those companies profit off of things going wrong. They profit off of disease. That's and right. War. That's what they want. So that's what they want. In order for their bottom line to grow, they want more problems, more conflicts, more illness. Right. More chaos. That's what they've been cultivating in this world. So this whole idea like the, the root of all evil, you know, money is the root of all evil. It really starts to show up that way. I know they say, okay, it's the love of money, but you know, it, people dedicating themselves to the, to, to money first and foremost is definitely the problem. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yes, exactly. Because I mean, the indigenous lived without it. Right. Yeah. Nothing wrong with a little wampum. They traded and they bartered, but there was no concept of of money as the basis for life. I mean, right. now it's like it's been turned into like if you don't have money, you can't live. Yeah, how unnatural can it get? Right, and how inhumane can it get? How inhumane can it get? Right, and and uh, you know, <sighs> there's so many places to go with this. You know, so let's let, let's start with the 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 largest and most complex, and maybe we can break it down from that. But if we were to look at the Vedas, the Vedas would say everything is infinite consciousness and it's, and, and separation is just an illusion. It's all the same thing. And if, if, if one person is hurting, everyone's hurting. Right. And there's a lot of pain on this planet right now, dude, man. I mean, unprecedented we, pain. That's on absolutely this planet, right. On this planet right now. And, and so the, 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 the people in the West who are profiting from this situation, they take all the freaking antidepressants in the world. It's not going to help you because there is right. no separation from the suffering that's being caused by this system. That's right. And now the other thing that's kind of wild to think about uh, in that in that lack of separation is the whole idea of the membrane between the self and the other. Right. You know, this body that we're trying to preserve, you know, it is itself. Right. There is no real separation. And, you know, whatever it is that we've got. You know, from some people die very young. Right. Some people mm -hmm. live to, let's say, 100 on, you know, the outer edges. Right. That's a flash in the pan that we're here for a brief moment. We're basically like a droplet of water that briefly leaves the ocean and gets to kind of fly free for a moment, only to return to the ocean again. So what are we fighting for in order to protect these bodies? 
Right. Right. What, what, how important is it for us to, 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 you know, don't go gently into that good night. Like I have a real problem with that poetic line. Like, why are we supposed to fight that thing? Fight, fight, right. fight. No, 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 no. Right. We we're to use this thing to its best possible purpose, right. To mm -hmm. fulfill the divine wisdom and restore order to restore decent, uh, a decent way of life to as, as many beings as possible. That's what we're here to do. And if, if we die early doing that, that's the way to go. You know, mm -hmm. the, and the preserving of the body is really only for the purpose of fulfilling that mission. Right. It's 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 quality, not quantity. It's the quality yeah. of the life, not the quantity of, of the, the time. Because the right. time is an illusion anyway. Right. The present exactly. moment is the only thing you have. It's all it is. Yeah. Right here, right now. This is yeah. all we have. And this so what goes have. along with the standard American diet, that sad state of affairs that's so common, is that idea of like whoever dies oldest with the most toys wins. Like, right. Uh, right. Like that's kind of that, and how sick how is that? How freaking sick is that? Right. Like, let's see who can be miserable longest encrusted with all these <laughs> possessions that are dragging you down. See how long you can survive that miserable state of being. Right. Right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <Not> me. <laughs> That's such a northeastern thing to say. <laughs> Fuck me. Yeah. yeah. Or that all the dies time. With most toys wins. <laughs> I always <laughs> me. Uh, oh my god. Oh, uh, we yeah, this is, you know, <sighs> global dysbiosis. Yeah. Global dysbiosis. Uh inflate, right? So what would I say? Uh, dysbiosis, gut dysbiosis is characterized by low species diversity and a state of inflammation. Right. What do you see on this world right now? Look at the, 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 the amount of inflamed thinking, inflamed emotional lives, inflamed yep. actions, uh, loss of impulse control, like all these things. I mean, it's just... It's it's inflammation run rampant, and that's global dysbiosis. Desertification on the planet is happening, right? And it comes from the the effort on the part of uh, of arrogant um, psychopathic narcissists, yeah, who who yes. want to control everything. That's right, because control means means reduce diversity. Mm -hmm. And right? control is some sort of a uh, sign of power and right. prestige, right? And, right? and 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 I don't know. For me, uh, it, in my experience, I think the greatest power we have, especially as men, is vulnerability. That's my personal opinion: is the ability to be truly vulnerable, to be empathetic, to be compassionate. Uh, to operate with love and forgiveness. I had a real big download on love and forgiveness last night. Mm -hmm. um, you know, just how critical, how critical those those two pieces are, love and forgiveness. Just it's... Do you want to talk about it? Uh, it uh, it's just... Um, you don't have to. But no, yeah. no, you know me. You know, I'm always... <laughs> I'm, <laughs> Yeah, you know me. I, 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 you know, I lately I've been struggling with, um, with the, um, 
the estrangement I have with my parents, right? And what they did, the betrayal that they that they perpetrated. And um and I, I have a really like my next evolution is 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 forgiving them for what they did. Mm-hmm. And I have such a fucking hard time with that. Like I I just I just want to call them and and just read them the riot act and say, you know, hey, how's you know I, you know, what's it like to not talk to your only child um because you valued money more? Mm. Right. Here we go back to the money thing. Right. right. You know the story. Yeah. I mean, many of you don't, but it was pretty <laughs> Um, so you know, so last night I was just like, I'm I'm so here to, to kind of come around where this is all coming from is that I'm 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 navigating a possible well, no, I'm navigating integrating my life in a new way. And uh I'm I'm contemplating and maybe I have even made the decision to shift my major in my grad studies right now from integrative and functional nutrition to a master's of psychology so mm. that I, I can start working with um, psilocybin and, um, and, right. and, and healing because mm. uh, in Colorado, we can grow mushrooms. We can share mushrooms. Uh, we, we're, they're, they're legal to have on you. And, um, isn't it interesting that this is showing up at the point where like, I mean, the, the role that the mushroom plays in the natural world is basically the recycling of the detritus, right? It's basically, it takes all of that dead it's a biological, it's a, it's a biological response modifier. It's a, it's earth's a uh, great recycler. Right. It's a bio, they're bio so like mediators, a, a, a right? way of restoring can, a civilization to like, they get, to recycle that corrupt mentality. Right. Mm-hmm. It seems like the mushroom is showing up in the, and, and, you know, uh, people like McKenna, uh, yeah. they, they believe that, uh, it was the psychedelic experience from the mushrooms that caused the development of consciousness within, let's say like the great apes, right? Yeah, the stoned ape theory. Absolutely. Theory, right. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Which is totally valid because they, they eat them. We know yeah. every, every so the stone animal- age really has, you know, more to it than we thought. Look, every, every, it was the stone age, every culture and, and many animals all consume psychedelic substances. This isn't, this isn't, that this is like a part of the natural experience, right? Yeah. And I mean, and, and one of the things that psilocybin mushrooms can do is they can, they can compost that shit of our lives and create fertile soil. They can, they, they can uh, uh, remediate the pain and the suffering and the trauma that we've experienced and turn it into, uh, you know, and, and you know, say in the alchemist terms, gold. They can convert lead to gold. They mm, can, there's, they can, yeah. They can take shit and make fertile soil. Right. That's fascinating because yeah, lead is apparently kind of like on a on a on a uh, elements period like periodic table of the elements level. It's kind of the thing towards which everything converges, which is sort of like shit. Right. Yeah. It's like the yeah. shit element in a way. Yeah, you know, and so that conversion back to gold is the it's like the gold elixir, really. That's basically what what. So um, is there any evidence that that mushroom therapy is a way to restore the health of the gut biome? Uh, All mushrooms are prebiotics. 
So all what, mushrooms what it, are because uh, of their fibrous yeah. content. Right. Exactly. Huh. Exactly. I all mushrooms. saying that in, in the uh, other podcast about fiber. <laughs> really important. Yeah. So fiber is what feeds the good bacteria in our gut. It's, 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 so the more diverse plants we consume, that's the more food there is for the good bacteria to feed on and ferment and create um, uh, things like short-chain fatty acids that are anti-inflammatory and support tight junction production uh, in, in the epithelial cells. And they're also the major communication molecule between the gut and the brain. And mushrooms are loaded with fiber. They're actually majority fiber, you know, upwards of 60% plus fiber. And so that fiber goes in and it feeds that good bacteria. And so, um, uh, when, when you're, when you consume mushrooms, not only does it feed, uh, the gut microbiome, but then you, you get all these other benefits. So if we were looking at psilocybin mushrooms, psilocybin converts into something called psilocin. And it's, a, it's a chemically speaking, very similar to serotonin in structure. Huh. And so it can actually support serotonin levels in the brain. So that explains the uh, antidepressant uh Effect. Kind of effect, yeah. Right. So, I mean, the, the research shows that uh, uh, that a, a single psilocybin experience can uh, um, eliminate um, lifelong depression. That's wild. Isn't that phenomenal? And I mean, there's a, there's a lot to that. Like, I, I, you know, to qualify that, set and setting are absolutely critical to the experience. It's all about set and setting. It's all about, and, and in fact, in fact, uh, we and know dosage. Do well, dosage, <laughs> yeah, because yeah. yeah, you got to be careful. And we also know that you can't have your eyes open during the peak experience of it. You have to be wearing an eye mask and or have your eyes closed so that you can do the inner work. Wow, that's very interesting. When the eyes are open and they're they're paying attention to the external world, uh, you don't get the same effect. So it's an inner journey. Now that, uh, you know, probably holds true regardless uh, whether you're on a psychedelic substance or not. Like the, the degree to which one is able to uh, go internal uh, yeah. and, and, and correct things, you know, yeah. you're, you're, that's basically what you're doing is you're finding various kind of malfunctions, blockages, what have you, and just finding a way because that 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 we as you said before i can't remember if this was in um take one take but one. about the number of uh chromosomes we have and how that encodes for thousands of different processes in the body right right and so the, the potential is all there for a wide range of different responses and so it, it only makes sense that really there is this this potential for self-healing and the and the fact that there's a therapeutic, like we have a, a, a empirical observation that you have a therapeutic result that's only going to really be effective if you close the eyes and go internal. That just suggests that there, there's uh, a real scientific basis for believing in the self-healing process and seeing that uh, energetic work within each of us is our God-given tool for, you know, keeping ourselves in right alignment, right? Yeah. 
Absolutely. And I mean, and it's, you know, these substances, whether it be Abin, whether it be Amanita muscaria, another psychedelic mushroom, you know, it's like the Santa Claus mushroom, right? That, that's been used by shamans in the Northern latitudes for long, long periods of time. Or if it's... I think that's or, the mushroom that they, they say was, was Jesus. What was that guy's name? Uh, John, uh, 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 the Jesus mushroom? Right. Yeah. So, uh, oh God, what was Allegra. his name? John Allegra. Uh, yeah. yep. The, uh, um, uh, sacred mushroom. Oh, he wrote a great book. Um, but that, you know, when they, so that story, that's a fascinating one, which is when they discovered the Dead Sea Scrolls, they, he is a philologist. So he's an expert in ancient languages and they asked him to do interpret the Dead Sea Scrolls. And as he did, he said, mm, it sounds like this was a mushroom cult. And, mm -hmm. That and the sacrament was psilocybin mushrooms. Mm -hmm. uh, so it wasn't it wasn't the amanita, but amanita grows everywhere. You know, you I, like I could go down to New Mexico. I was backpacking in New Mexico last year, and it was just loaded with amanitas everywhere. Wow. I'd, I'd never seen anything like it. I was like, oh my lord! But um, that one so, has a reputation as being uh, toxic, right? Well, it is very much so, and, and you have to process it properly, and um, or else it's a really harsh experience. Mm. So it's uh, not something that I have experience with, but I mean, and here in Colorado, uh, you know, um, we're allowed to grow, we're allowed to share, we're allowed to have on our person psilocybin mushrooms. Now we're growing some currently because. Uh, Antoinette, uh, uh, one of the companies she just picked up is a spore company for wow. psilocybin mushrooms, and they gave us all these sample spore uh, syringes to, wow. to, to experiment with. So we're growing a wide variety of different psilocybin mushrooms, right? Is now. there still any controversy there regarding that? Is there uh, any like what what are like what does like law enforcement think about it? Like are they? You know, I can imagine it would be a kind of a weird thing for guys who are in the law enforcement world to like spend, you know, right, right. years <laughs> hunting down, right. you know, and then all of a sudden right. it's like, okay, that's okay. Right. Like, yeah, well, I mean, you know, it's, <laughs> we've already had ganja legal here for so long. Right. I mean, cannabis has been legal and, and, uh, you know, this is so much, there's so much, you know, these are, these are spiritual potentizers really you know this is a used correctly used correctly you now this is what concerns me about this because you know the other thing that that does tend to happen is that uh civilizations in decline like you will see more irresponsible use of sacred substances well, and and then eventually that becomes like a convenient excuse scapegoat kind of for for the collapsing civilization you know well once again i mean the amount of pain that people are experiencing, the amount, the loss of the loss of meaning, yeah, the loss of sense of purpose, um, create you know the the amount of spiritual pain uh, that that this country is experiencing right now. What do you think people are going to do? They're they're going to numb out. Yep. They're they gotta numb out the pain, and that's why painkillers, oxycontin, and the opioid ep pandemic or epidemic—excuse me—that we're experiencing right now. Yep. I mean, it's, it's a symptom of loss of meaning. It's a symptom of lack of purpose. It's a symptom 
of global dysbiosis. Of global dysbiosis, <laughs> exactly. Yeah. We want to exactly. we want to numb I mean, out the the. Uh, could you imagine what it's like to be eighteen years old right now and know that the planet's collapsing and that the people in power don't want to do don't want to do fuck all about it? I'm not going to get on board with that because I don't think we know <laughs> that the the planet. I, I don't think we really know that. Well, uh, but but put yourself in. Put yourself. Uh, no, oh no, no! Pause, I understand what you're saying. That. Put I, yourself I, in the mind of an 18 year old. Yeah, so I would who, say who believes. That's the word I would use. What what who are, believes that the well, world? What are they? What is the programming? What is the indoctrination? They are are. Are that is being forced. That's upon right. Them, no, that's absolutely right. right. We yeah. have we have mass we have mass shootings happening left and right. School kids getting killed, and we've got politicians who are more concerned about fucking drag shows than yeah, right. than than kids getting gunned down in fucking school. Right. I mean, you know, everything is 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 so toxic right now. The you know the species are are you know collapsing left and right. The eye, the polar ice caps are. I mean, just. I mean, think about it. Yeah, what no. hope? What hope is in there for them? What are you going to do? You're going to you're going to fucking numb. You're going to numb yourself out. In the spiritual tradition, it's always darkest before the dawn. That's right. You and I know that because we're older and we have that life experience. And we we're we're fortunate enough to have been exposed to some of these ideas, which right. really should be like some of the main things taught as a curricula for children. Kids need to understand these cyclical patterns. They have to it's basically restore it's restoring an understanding of nature fundamentally, yes. right? Yeah. It's restoring the global biome. <laughs> That's right. Yeah. But they're they are left in this sterile environment of hopelessness yeah. and yeah. godlessness yes. and just nothing but fear and and uh anxiety and scapegoating and you, you know even just kind of like to take the god part out of it which i you know you you know where i stand with that so but let's just take the god part out because it's so triggering and let's say uh the the uh, removal of meaning the removal of purpose, the removal of rites of passage, the removal of self-actualization. Yeah. Well, I, I don't think, I mean, I, I understand why you want to do that because of our, all of our secular friends who have already tuned out because of various things that we said, but uh, <laughs> if anybody is still listening at this point, wow. <laughs> good luck finding meaning without a, a, a sense of the divine. Without a sense of the divine. Right. So, I mean, God can be any number of things, right? And I know. Right. I, I apologize, you know, to the few of you who are still listening, who are upset by the word God. I apologize for having used it, but uh, no, I don't apologize for having no, used it. No, don't apologize for no, that. I'm not. <laughs> <laughs> okay, I think we need to to, to do this more often. <laughs> we say that every time we talk, <laughs> and I think we need to wrap it up because I have to make dinner for my wife. Okay. Um, and we've been going for, I think, almost an hour, even even though we blew the first take. <laughs> I think <laughs> I think we, we really, but maybe we could do another episode on this subject. Yeah. Uh, sometime soon, we could you know think about what it is that we covered because I think there's an awful lot to explore here, and it's a it's a really brilliant model for discussing the condition of our lives in the in the present moment here, and so uh, I think it could definitely stand to be explored further and i love uh, i love exploring shit with you it's so much fun and uh, the way that we have 
of conversing. It just, yeah, it's always such a joy. It's the start of this whole thing. It's just not as much fun without you, man. Oh man, I appreciate doing hearing these that. depressing, boring monologues. You know, people are tuning out. They're just unsubscribing left and right. <laughs> so yeah, it's good to get into these giggle fests with you here while we're just just you know discussing some of the heaviest shit there is to talk about. Right? Yeah. Right. You got to have is, the levity with the gravity, man. Absolutely. You know. You know? Yeah. And the reality is, it's all impermanent. Right. It's all impermanent. Yeah. The only thing constant is time and time has its way with all things. I would say the, yeah, change is the word I'd use because time is something that people typically think of as being this thing, which contains past and future, which yeah. I think of as being complete and utter bullshit. Yeah. And well, know, the Vedas I like think, to call time, the Vedas like to call time Yama, which is also death. So it's like, you know, <laughs> interesting. All things come to an end. It, yeah, and, and distinctions are are really you know they're very artificial, right? So it's yeah. very interesting to have those terms associated. I think that's where the English language is kind of lacking because there's so yeah. much poetry in yeah. the ancient languages where yeah. you know one term has all of this resonance in it. You know, it's yeah. something we we kind of it's still there in English if you really get into it, but you have to go looking for it. But you have to know the etymology. Yeah, you you have to understand what does a word mean and how do you properly use it. Right, which we've lost that too. When I so. look up a word, I don't bother with the definitions. I just go straight to the etymology. Me too. Me too. You know? Yep. So we're really philologists at heart here. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> oh my God. Such good time. I appreciate you so much. I appreciate the Assembly of Silence Radio Hour.